saying to y'all it's Vach Lombardi first and foremost I do not have an intro and that's perfectly fine I never do um I'm in the studio by myself today uh I was uh I was talking to some of my some of my my homies some of my close people that I go to for uh feedback on the podcast or whatnot and um and they told me it'll it'll be a good idea to get my audience more familiar with me you know just just let let them know who it like who I really am me being Vach Lombardi, you know, uh, you know, y'all, y'all, if y'all familiar with my podcast, y'all just hear me yelling at some somebody, or I'm learning something, or you know, just talking about life, or just in general. But I'm gonna give you a little bit of my backstory and where I where I come from and how I got to where I am today and what made me want to do podcasts. So this is a a memoir, if you will. So just tune in for the next hour or so. I hope I hope it don't go over an hour, but. I like to talk if y'all, you know, y'all listen, so y'all know I like to talk or whatever. But <clears throat> uh, I ain't even know if I wanted to do this, but uh, let's go with my government name, which is on my birth certificate. It's uh, Kevachi Lamar Pollard. Don't ask what the hell Kevachi means. I mean, I was a I was a baby when it happened. It's just something that my mom thought of. I don't know. My mom and my dad thought of it. I ain't got nothing to do with that. But um. That's my name, Kavach Lamar Pollard. That's where K. Lamar Pollard comes from. That's where the Vach and Vach Lombardi comes from, and we'll touch on Lombardi a little bit later. But um, I was born and raised in Natchez, Mississippi, and uh, I was a country boy, basically. You know, and you know, just just to give you a idea of what I'm saying is, you know, when when you're in America, people look at the South as if their country, right? And when you're in the South, people look at Mississippi as if their country, like people from Memphis look at Mississippi people like, man, y'all country's hell, right? Well, people in Mississippi look at people from Natchez and be like, damn, y'all country. If I could just add one more level to this, people inside of my city from Natchez, they look at people where I come from, the actual country, where when you're driving on some paved road and then you get off of it and there's a dirt road and you lose signal, and you see a lot of grass that ain't been cut. You look to the to the right, you may see a see a cow pasture or two. You know, some horse chasing a raccoon or something like that. That's where I come from, Airport Road. And y'all should have heard me talking. Boy, y'all should have heard me talking a few years ago. I've been podcasting. I've been doing this this uh, college thing, so I I speak a little better. But man, and it kind of comes out a little bit now. But if if y'all would hear me when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. You wouldn't be able to understand the thing I was saying. I I was so country. I got an uncle named Junior Boy and an uncle named Doughbelly. You know your ass country. You got an uncle named Junior Boy and Doughbelly. Climbing trees outside, using words like "jucking," <laughs> "jucking" till the morning, all that type of stuff. Old folk playing playing cards, man, pity pat, taunt, gambling stuff like that. Family barbecues, all that type of stuff. That's us, and that's where I grew up. And in a type of family like that, in the type of city where I'm from, uh, people don't don't have a lot. The older generation don't. 
So generally, generally how things work is that you want your child to do better than you, you know? Like, I'm not sure about my grandmom and how she did her whole education process or whatever, but I'm sure she went to high school at some point, you know? And in essence, that made my mother and my uncle, junior boy, that made them go to college. And my mom went to online college uh, and, my, and my uncle went to a community college. So just by rights of, you know, just moving it down the line, I, I was supposed to go to a four-year university, and which I do. And my uncle's son is supposed to do the same thing, right? It's just a, just a generational do better type of thing, you know? But <clears throat> sometimes when you're, when you're in, a, in a situation or environment like that, sometimes that word becomes law. And you don't really get to progress past what you know. Like, I was supposed to be the four-year university, get a bachelor's degree. My child is supposed to get a master's or a doctor. And their child is supposed to be a, a businessman of some sort, you know. The predicament that I'm in is that I feel like I've been enlightened. And I'm a little more enlightened than most 23-year-olds are. It is what it is. That's just, that's just how I feel. Sorry. If you're a 23-year-old and you feel like you're not enlightened, don't be mad at me. Just listen to what I got to say. You might be enlightened by the time I'm, I'm done talking to you. But that's another conversation, another podcast, another situation. But I was supposed to go to college and just that's it, right? I was supposed to – I'm still doing this stuff, by the way, because it will crush my mom if I, if I didn't graduate from college. I'm still doing this stuff. I just need her to be a little patient because I got dreams. And I, got, I got aspirations. I really want to do something with this, with this podcast thing and, uh, and other ventures that I'm getting into, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. But let's just touch on me growing up a little bit, and we're going to get back to all that business and podcast and progressive thinking and getting out of, the, out of this shell and breaking the cycle. Oh, we're going to get all up in that, but later on. Like I said, grew up in Natchez, Natchez High School, public school. I jumped the gun a little bit. I went to public school and middle school, even elementary school. And the type of person Vice Lombardi was in elementary school was what I call a square. And I use this this term often. I was a damn square, sure. Um, the other kids walked around with, you know, their their Jordan shoes. Well, mom bought me K-Swiss and Air Force One. No, not Air Force One. And Ones. <laughs> and I wish I had some Air Force Ones back then. Uh, I had K-Swiss and And Ones. You wasn't getting no girls with K-Swiss and And Ones. And there, there was this unwritten rule in our school where you couldn't wear, um, like, like we had uniforms and shit, where you couldn't wear uh, blue shirts and blue pants. It just, it just looked bad. It looked tacky. And sometimes I think my mom bought all blue pants and blue shirts for me. It, it's just how I felt. I had these big ugly glasses when I when I get to when I went to go get haircuts. It was just whatever my mom wanted. Just cut it low. That's all she said. Just just cut it low. She ain't, she ain't use words like fade or you know. I, I don't think I got lines. I think I got a few pictures of me with my hair cut low with no hairline. Just they just let that shit just get jumbly. And that's unfortunate, but basically that's who I was. I was a square up until up until sixth grade, um, <clears throat> until you know I kind of got a little more aware <laughs> of what did and did not work. I was like, huh, something got to change. But in middle school, I discovered football, and 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 just me playing playing football. 
I worked out a lot more. You know, I started off as a chubby cat, you know, when I was younger. I ain't really have a lot of friends, you know, in the country. I had family, but I didn't go outside and play and shoot basketball in the neighborhood. You know, I didn't have that. So I grew to be a chubby young man. So when I when I when I started playing football in high school, it was more so it, it was the most physical activity I've ever had in my life. And before you know it, I started losing weight. Like it just started falling off of me. And that, in essence, made me more confident. Now, don't get me wrong. I still had these ugly ass glasses, these raggedy and ones, and these blue and blue uniforms, but that's more so middle school. And I've always been a funny cat. I always had jokes, but that was more more of what my friends would think of me. The people that were, that were around me at the time, I had a set of friends since second grade. Yeah, sure. And they would always find me hilarious or funny like that. But I wasn't funny in a class clown type of way to where I can control a room or I can speak out. I was rather shy when I was a young man, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not shy now. I'm rather loud and belligerent, but you know, we'll <laughs> we'll touch on that another day. Or you'll just listen to a podcast, hear how loud I can be. But um I lost a lot of weight playing um playing football in middle school, just going to practice, working out going home, passing out, going to sleep. And middle school was a time when everybody, especially the boys, you know, we 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 either got in trouble or we did something constructive. And I was really close to getting in trouble, you know. Uh, I I, I could have easily swayed with the wrong crowd, you know. I, I, I played basketball with gangsters and dealers when I got older, you know, in middle school, early high school. Um, it's just the neighborhood that I was in. I played basketball with them. I didn't really take part in some of the things that they did, but they were the people that I hung out with. And it was easy to to get influenced or to fall within that crowd. But me playing football, you know, most of the time I would just go to practice, come home, go to sleep. I was so damn tired. You know, it's, it's the most physical activity I've ever did in my life, ever done in my life, pardon me, I've ever done in my life. So I avoided I avoided a lot of trouble, and I, I got more more stories to tell. But that's for another podcast. I ain't trying to. <laughs> I'll be here all day if I talked about what what would have happened if I would have went down a a particular road. But um, just getting into high school football a little bit. Um, I was a ninth grader, so I played football with other ninth graders when I was in ninth grade. That's just what you did. Um, but I was always close to the varsity team. You know, I wasn't super duper duper great. But I was cool, you know. When I was in ninth grade, I was I was the the second guy. I was in the rotation, you know. I earned a lot more stripes in my tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade years. But um, something happened. A, a a big change happened in the summer of tenth grade, going on to eleventh grade. Don't forget about the big ugly glasses that I that I told you about. When I played football, I just didn't wear any. I was just running around blind. And I had this coach. Shouts out to Coach Baldwin, man. He uh he said, Pollard. He talked just like that. I swear to God. Pollard, you can't see the damn ball. He used to rumble and growl like a bear and shit. But he said, my son had that same problem. You should uh you should wear contacts. I said, Coach Baldwin, I don't know about no contacts, man. I'm going to poke myself in the eye. I'm going to go blind, man. He said, hey, quit being a bitch and go get some contacts. Okay, sure. <laughs> I told my mom about it. Sure enough, we went to go get contacts, right? I'm saying I'm saying all this for a reason. Just stay tuned. Please bear with me. So we went and got contacts, right? And just a little bit of enlightenment at a time. All this was in the summer of leaving 10th, going to the 11th grade. Watch what happened. One of my teammates... Shouts out to Keith D. I wasn't even gonna name y'all. Shouts out to my man Keith D. One of my one of my teammates cut hair. 
And he'll just be cutting people hair in bar in, in, in the um in the locker room. So I say, uh, Keith, let me get one of them uh, one of them cuts, man. And sure enough, it was the best haircut I ever got in my life. It was way better than just cutting low. It was way better than that dumb haircut that I got. Keith actually, you know, lined me up, you know, he he evened me out, you know, faded me up and all that type of stuff. I say, man, I need some more of this. Keith became my barber, and 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 I had contacts now, and 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 I lost a lot of weight, and I got a lot more confident. And you know, when you're in a football, anybody that's an athlete, they know jokes fly in a in a in a football locker room. So I had to be loud. I had to learn how to tell jokes. I had to be a lot more confident. I broke out of that shy shell that I was in. Um, when it was time for uniform shopping in between, you know, summers and stuff like that, I told my mom, I say, Mom, how about you just give me all white shirts and all khaki pants. It'll be easy for me to mix and match. And Kathy was like, well, okay, I was going to I was gonna do that for you anyway. So I just get you all whites and all khakis. I just avoided blue all together. Didn't want no problem. I was trying to raise my status in high school. I, I was trying to have an image. I was trying to get girls that I wasn't really getting. I had a few girlfriends that, you know, that, that thought I was cool. But I wasn't really on them like that. You know what I'm saying? But, um... In between me getting a better uniform, you know, picking my own clothes out, stuff like that, and getting my hair cut the way I wanted, me losing weight, me being a lot more confident, me breaking out of that shy shell, me being a lot more loud, funny, stuff like that, me having the contacts, losing the big ugly glasses. You know, the last step of this process was ridiculous, and I and th- and it, it, it was just enlightening at the time. Um, Air Force Ones were, uh, were a popular shoe at the time, and I still wear them because I fuck with Air Force Ones. But... I told my mom, I said, Mom, check this out. Them and ones that you used to give me or whatever ugly shoes I was wearing, I was wearing New Balance or, or something. Kathy didn't care about me. <laughs> Kathy didn't care how I was looking at school, man. I was like, Mom, instead of buying me two pair of shoes that added up to be like $120, let me get this pair of Air Force Ones, which is less than $120. They look better than these. And Ma, I promise I'll take care of them. Mama, trust me. I'll keep them clean. I'm going to do this. Just let me please get these all-white Air Force Ones. And what sold my mom on buying me these Air Force Ones, I say, Ma, they all white. They go with anything. That's the only pair of shoes I would need. And Kat say, well, you know what? You're right. <laughs> Kat is my mom, by the way. Love her to death. She say, yeah, you're right. Them all white shoes go with anything. We'll buy you some Air Force Ones. Yes, nigga. So when I tell you going into eleventh grade, uh, the the first day, uh, first day of school, right? You know, this is when I found out that women like change. <laughs> they notice change, right? Like if I would have been wearing white and khaki the whole time, and you know, khaki and and, and all white shoes, and just just nobody would have cared, right? But people had this idea about who Vachi was. And then I come back 11th grade, and the females noted change. Oh, Vach get girls now. Oh, my God. Vach get girls. Now, I wasn't no super duper, you know. I wasn't super player pimp, but I had my damn fair share. You know what I'm saying? With my confidence, with my jokes, with my brand new hairline I did not know existed up until this point, with my all-white Air Force Ones, with my jokes. I might have said jokes already. Damn it, I'll say it again. With my jokes. And my Air Force Ones, they were all white that glowed in the sun, in the August sun of the first day of school. Bach Lombardi was ready to get them. He was ready to get them. And this enabled me to be, to speak the way I do. 
I'm just bringing this all full circle with where I am today. It enabled me to speak the way I do. It, it gave me an opinion on, on females. I mean, I was still a square at heart with a lot of these females, but the fact that I was able to experience a lot of them, it gave me a lot of what I call podcast ammo these days. Right. So when y'all hear me go on my spill, when y'all listen to my us versus them podcast, when y'all hear me go on my spill about women, it's all stuff that I that I experience. It's everything that I ran into. It's 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 every every little detail that I've gotten. You know, I I I didn't just just read this out of some book. I don't like to read. I'm an author, but I don't like to read. We'll touch on that later. But that's where it can, that's where it, where it, where it, it comes from you know when i when i got this this surplus of different types of females all at the same time in high school from 11th to 12th grade i was in my prime but anyway um yeah college sports happened da 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 and there's this very pivotal moment in every i say college sports high school i meant there's a very pivotal moment in every high school athlete's um career where he um he kind of got to decide what the hell he going to do <laughs> after football, you know? I mean, people always tell you. They always say, hey, man, what you going to do after football? And we always say, man, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to the league. But we really don't have an idea, and it's a very scary time in our life. Just to let y'all know, um, just to give y'all an idea of how much I changed over time, I was going to be a a, a a a computer technician. Like, I was getting IT certified and stuff. I was taking a vocational class, learning about computers and stuff. And I'm still computer savvy, and it helps with this whole podcasting deal, but um, I just didn't go through with it. Let me tell you why. Because um, after I played my my last game, my last football game, senior year, I told y'all football is very important in my life. After I played my last game, um, I was talking to some of my coaches, you know. Uh, I say, uh, I say, Coach, what? What did, what, what did you do after you, you know, played ball? And a lot of the coaches, they told me what I was basically going through. They had no idea. They just didn't know. I was like, well, goddamn, Carl Lewis, that's <laughs> that's helpful advice. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you really don't know, I mean, can I, can I, get, a, can I get an answer, you know? But um, in between time, I was still close to the, to the uh, football team. Even though I was no longer able to play, I was still relatively close to them. And um, my head coach, shouts out to Coach Reed, man, Lance Reed and Coach Wooders, shouts out to all them, Evans and all them. They um, they offered me, uh, especially Coach uh, Woodard, my my particular offensive line coach. He said, um, you you you're you're done playing, but would you like to help some of the young guys out? You know, would you just like to come back and coach a little bit? And I said, sure, man, I'll, I'll I'll just help out. You know, no problem. I get to yell at people and stuff like that. People get to listen to me. You know, I get to see the other side of practice. And sure enough, it's something that I that I that I fell in love with, coaching the game. You know, I I always had a knack for it. You know, when I was when I was playing, you know, mostly if you play one position, you basically just learn your position. I learned my position a long time ago. Like when I was in ninth grade and people were still trying to learn the entire playbook, like like no, when they were just trying to learn their position, I knew the I was getting to know the entire playbook is what I'm saying. So the game came naturally to me, the the whole teaching side of it, the the technique side of it. I was able to project that to the to the younger players, you know? So that that said, you know, sure, coach, I I, I actually enjoy doing this thing. It it might be something that I want to do with my life. So I went from being a computer technician, and now I'm at coach. So um, uh, coach, uh, what? How do I how do I go by being a coach? Like, what do I major in? 
And it basically hit me with this, uh, well, you got to teach something and then you become a coach. So now my life is to, okay, let me go through college. That's what my mom wants from me. That's what everybody in my family expects from expects from me. Um, I, know I said that funny. Whatever. That's what they expect from me. And I say, okay, well, well go to college, do this four-year thing. I'm going to be a teacher. What can I teach? Well, I'm not good at math at all, so I just threw math out. You know, I just completely neglected math or whatever. Um, I I thought about English, but they write too much. <laughs> it's just too much writing going on in English. And I actually signed up as a history teacher, thinking that history was just going to be taking notes and taking tests. There's a lot of damn writing and researching in history, too. So I say, uh, well, shit, what's left, man? And sure enough, I ended up um, on the the health side of the game. Now, I know... I know a lot of people that they have a some some coach at at their high school. He he taught health or PE or whatever. That's that's basically what they do, and that's what I was gonna do. I was really on board for that. So on top of me going to school to be a health teacher, I would also travel from my college town, which is Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the University of Southern Mississippi. Shouts out to y'all. I would travel from the University of Southern Mississippi, Hattiesburg, to drive two hours to go back home to help out with the team. I was getting hands-on experience. I was a, a graduate assistant. I was doing hands-on work. So before I knew it, I'm just getting a little bit older here. Just it, it, it just the time blew by so fast. I didn't even notice it that I was 20 years old with three years of coaching experience under my belt. When a lot of guys are 24 with none, you know what I'm saying. So if I just continue to do what I do, I would be 25 or so graduating high school that I mean graduating college that is I would be 25 with seven or so years of coaching experience and I was ready to hit the market man I was ready to you know I, I was ready to do my thing in this whole in this whole uh coaching business or whatnot but let me just leave that right there I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm come right back to that point but let's just say uh moving on to this next chapter because this would be a book I guess it's just an audio book or whatever just a podcast whatever fuck uh, I'm just going to leave that topic right there. I'm going to move on to back to women. Because women are a very Im- important thing in what I try to do with my podcast and my opinions on them. And um, I met a lot of women in, in in college. And something that I particularly remember about it was like, man, it's a lot of white girls out here. Like I said, I went to public school in Natchez, man. And, and there were th- about three white girls, and they dated the three white guys <laughs> at the school. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it wasn't many of them. And they and they weren't talking to us. But when I got to this college town, though, oh my God, they were all over the place, man. And just girls in general. And they were 18 year olds and they'd never been away from home and they were vulnerable and they did dumb stuff. And I was here to accept and reciprocate some of that dumb stuff. I was here for them. I was here with them. Um a lot of the females that I that I dealt with, some weren't serious at all. Y'all hear me name drop Krispy Kreme all the time. Shouts out to her, man. She's a good friend of mine. Um, she really gave me perspective on, you know, <laughs> on ranking people in an order of importance in my life. But if y'all listen to my old po- to my other podcast, y'all y'all will see where I'm going with that. But there was this other young lady that I met. She's very important to this story. I'm not gonna say her name. She's gonna remain nameless up to this point. If she ever hears it, she know who the hell she is. And anybody that's close to me, they know. Uh, she wasn't the 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 average uh, young woman. She was. I was 19. She was about 20. Or something like that. You know, we talked for a while. She ended up being 21 and I was 20, whatever. But the reason why she was so important in my life is because um, I didn't recognize this until I got a little older. But 
she was a grown ass woman in a young girl's body, you know. She was 20, but she thought so far ahead. What do I mean by that? Well, I I meet a lot of 20-year-old girls, you know, me being a young man myself. I and I I talk to them, right? Just kind of pick their brain apart because that's just one of one of the skills that I learned in being more confident and talking to talking to women and stuff like that. And I just pick brains and stuff like that. And the difference between most 20-year-olds and this young lady that I was involved with at the time was that this young lady would do shit like she would be conscious of her credit score, you know, at 19 years old. She would uh, she would teach me how to balance a checkbook. She she told me to open my own checking account, savings account, stuff like that. Get down with the bank botch is what she said. Um, she would she she would teach me how to be an adult, if you will, you know. You know, she she uh, she went from an old raggedy car to a to a new car, and she taught me about financing and things like that. And she ultimately made me an adult because I couldn't do it alone. You know what I'm saying? Like I would probably still be uh, young minded at this point. I, I was I, I don't know, man. I, I have no idea where I would be if I didn't have the guidance of that of that young woman. But she she taught me how to how to pay rent, how to you know. Like security deposits, I got to get my security deposit back. She taught me all this, all this stuff, you know. And I was living with her at the time. Um, but you know, the good ones go. Shouts out to Drake. That's a Drake line for everything. The good ones go, and you know, we 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 had a few disagreements. It lasted about eight months or so, like that. But uh, we ended up breaking up. <clears throat> but she was so important in my life was that I promise I'm gonna bring all this full circle. Um. She was important in my life because she taught me how to function out here, man, in this world. And I was living with her. So when we broke up, I kind of ain't had nowhere to go. You know what I'm saying? So my 20-year-old ass went back home. It was summertime, gladly, and I wasn't in school at the time. Hopefully, uh, greatly. I don't know what, the, what word I was looking for there. Uh, fortunately, it was uh, summertime. So I went back home for a little bit. But I needed. To, I was back in school in August, and I needed somewhere to stay. So... Uh, she taught me how to, you know, I knew what to do at this point, dealing with her, you know what I'm saying? So I looked for apartments and time was running out, time was running out, right? So the only apartment that was left over was this little two-bedroom two, two bedroom apartment. They they just built it. It was brand new. And, you know, I, okay, I had a job in, in, in Hattiesburg. That's my college town. I had a job here, and I knew how to pay bills from her. So I was just kind of going to, I was just going to wing it, you know? And luckily, the shit worked out. <laughs> uh, I'm still in this uh, in this two bedroom apartment. I don't have any roommates. I just wanted. To, I just had. I just got the two bedroom because it's all that it's all that was available, and I was on the verge of being homeless anyway. But I'm still in that two bedroom apartment, and it's what I call home. And shouts out to that young lady for um, putting me in that situation because we're gonna touch on this particular apartment and this particular room that I'm sitting in right now. But we're gonna touch on that a little bit later. Um. To the next chapter, I just want to let y'all know, you know, like I said earlier, I, I I learned to be loud and opinionated, and according to others, I I was easy to listen to. There would be plenty of times at um at some football awards banquet where I would just be sitting with my teammates and stuff like that, and we'll be talking about something sports related or just anything, and people would hear me sort of take over the table, you know? And it wasn't um a skill that I that I really took note of as a young man. But the older I got, I, I understand how important it is to take presence and 
fill the room, you know, for people to know that that you're here and all that stuff. But according to other people, I would fill the room with my voice, not even in a loud way, but how I would project stuff. And I guess culture football taught me how to yell at people, kids anyway, <laughs> just how to pro- project at people's children without yelling at them. But I knew how to project my voice and I was easy to listen to, according to them. But um, there's this part time job that I work at, worked at, and um, it, it paid the bills, man. You know, in, in between time, it paid the bills. And it's crazy, man. This job is very important to my life because everything I tell you is very important to my current life. I'm going to bring it all full circle, I promise. I met these um, these three characters at um, at this workplace that I work at. It's my man, Tyler. Y'all, y'all know a little bit about Tyler if you listen to my show. Sean has been on the show as well. And Corey hasn't been on the show yet, but he's going to be here soon. Time, ty, uh, Tyler, Sean, and Corey. Three of my friends, right? And I and I met them at this workplace. They're important because, um, you know, we would close the the store together, you know. And sometimes we'll be sitting at a table, and we'll be talking about something, and mostly women or life or something like that. And we would see people gather around us to hear us talk, right? And they would always say, "Man, Vach, when you gonna when you gonna stop being funny for free?" You know, I say. <laughs> That that quote is powerful to me today. Back then, it was just, eh, I don't know, man, one day. But now, I was being funny for free for a long time. You know, Ty, if y'all listen to the, to the podcast, I know I keep saying that, but he's the scientist. He's the exact opposite of what I am. We're, we're so similar in a way, but I'm enlightened in a country boy type of way. He's enlightened in an encyclopedia, Wikipedia type of way. You know, so... What I don't, what he doesn't know, in the in the streets, relationship, general knowledge game, I teach him, and what he knows in the books, he teaches me. You see what I'm saying? That's how we work. Sean is another progressive thinker of mine, a progressive thinking friend of mine. He's a, he's actually a, uh, a director. When I found out he was a film director, I was like, man, I need you in my company. I just need your your thinking space. That's just different. How many how many people you know directing movies and shit? You know, he's on my team. And my homeboy Corey, he's an older guy. He's uh he's about thirty uh something, thirty seven, something like that. But the reason why he's in my life is because. I'm the young version of him, or he's the older version of me, whichever one's appropriate for you, make you feel better, whoever's listening. Like, no matter what I say in my life, we're so the same. He's allegedly done it at some point. Like, man, I was walking home from the mall, and I saw this Scandinavian chick get into a fight with this Russian chick and the dude that broke it up. They all had an argument for 20 minutes, and they had a threesome after, and I watched if, if I told that story, th- that story doesn't exist, by the way. But if I told that story, he would look at me and say, yeah, man, I remember one time in Jackson State, that same exact story happened, right? <laughs> so that's why that's why Corey, Corey is it. He's in my life because I'm the young him. He's the older me, you know? And these people are going to appear on my podcast. Uh, but they, but they, what they all had in common also with me was that they all wanted to do better in life. They 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 were tired at the they were tired of the job that we were at and they wanted just a little more. Ty and Sean were in college, Corey was just a little older and we all wanted more. You keep that tidbit, I'm going to come right back to it. Even though college was going just fine for me. College was going fine. This was a backbreaking day in the evolution of 
watch Lombardi. And if you haven't noticed, Lombardi came from the coaching side of me, so that's where the Lombardi comes from. So just in case you didn't put two and two together, I just helped you out with that. But I was ready to get my coach on, you know. I was ready to get this coaching thing going. I was doing um, uh, student teaching and, and things like that and practicums and about to go to this school and learn how to do it, you know. So if I could go to schools and learn how to teach, I asked my advisor, I said, hey, man, you know, summer's coming up. Is there uh, is there something I can do? Like, you can send me to one of these high schools. I can get down with their coaching staff and hopefully get paid or something like that. Man, I was 20 years old, man. I had three years coaching experience. How many 20-year-olds, you know, with three years of coaching experience, man? I, I, I was ready to make a move in my life. I was ready to do something. I was tired of working for free, and I know I had another couple years of college to go, and I got to get certified, and I got to take tests. I was like, man, when is this going to start to take take circle when's this stuff gonna come to fruition you know and my advisor he he looked at me he said yeah i know you i know you do the the coaching thing right but and you've been doing it for three years and that's very impressive of you for being 20 years old with three years of coaching experience but you're gonna have to wait around a little bit because you're qualified for the job but you're not necessarily certified And I looked at him like, okay, like, like a 23-year-old is qualified to teach a baby like their alphabets or something like that or to count to 10. Like, we're, we're, we're qualified to do that. But since we don't have this receipt is what I call it. It's a, it's a, it's a receipt for how much time you spent in college. But since I don't have that, me not being certified, I'm not good enough to go somewhere and coach football or something like that. And he basically said, yeah, 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 basically, yeah. You, you, you're probably, I was in this class with other to-be coaches, and I was better than all of them, and I had the time in, but they were older than me, so. They got all the nods in, the, in that type of situation, but I couldn't do anything because even though I was better than them, I could walk circles around those guys on the chalkboard, in the meeting rooms, on the field. I could walk circles around those guys. But they were older, they were a little bit closer to their degree, that made them more certified than I was. So, of course, I walked out of that office angry. And a couple of nights before I worked, Tyler, Sean, and Corey told me about how they wanted to do better in life and how they were angry. And I just happened to get a text from my friend David Jordan. Let me pause right there and tell you a little bit about my homie David Jordan. He was on he was on the uh, the pilot cast. He's gonna be he's gonna um, be on a lot more podcasts in the future whenever he comes back to town from his vacation. But David Jordan was a friend of mine since. Um, I say, uh, was it the fifth grade or so? Fourth grade? Me and Dave have been cool for a long time. We went to the same middle school. Uh, not, not same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same elementary school and middle school. Morgantown's the best around. Shots out to yell. But um, when it was time to go to high school, he went with his family to Louisiana, and I stayed in Natchez, right? So I didn't see David, but just by blind fate, divine intervention, I met my business partner again. You know, I just met him around. He go, he went, he goes to the University of uh, Southern Mississippi as well. And I just met him, and I saw him from a distance. I'm like, hey, who is this taller Gary Coleman-looking fella? Dave was always a short guy. Like, who is this tall Gary Coleman-looking fella? And I was like, hey, that's my homie David Jordan. Me and him chopped it up, and we got back, got back on point. There, you know, it's 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 special when you have a friend that you know, y'all were friends at a at a young age, and then you change, you get a little older, you still be friends with that person. I got two friends like that. Shouts out to David, shouts out to Seb. But back to my story. Um, it was just really coincidental when David texted me that day. 
after I left the um, advisor's office. David texted me that day. He said, man, where you at? I was like, oh, man, I'm on campus, man. He was like, man, I'm, I'm pissed off. I said, what's wrong, bro? You going home? Yeah, 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 I'm going home. I'll meet you at the apartment, man. So David showed up at my crib. He knocks on the door, man. He's irate. I said, Dave, what's the problem, man? And, and, and if you listen to, to the pilot cast, we touched on a lot of this, but I'm just going to summarize it here. He was basically tired of uh, the school process and college being a business, and he's trying to be this type. He's going into this type of career field. Why is he wasting his first two years on courses that doesn't even add up to his career field? He felt like he was wasting his time in college, right? And we had all of these reasons why we – opposed college and like I said you can listen to the pilot cast to get that that full conversation but um he looked at me and said man people need to need to know this people need to be enlightened people are sheep <laughs> David is a he's he's a he's an extreme fellow but um he said people are sheep people should people should know the real about college Vach let's write a brochure we need we need to let people know. I say, well, David, how the fuck I'm gonna write? How the fuck I'm gonna write something? I don't like reading, bro. He said, nah, just 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 write it like you talking, and then we're gonna edit it and fix it up, and da da da, and da da da. A little bit of time goes by, you know, with this whole brochure thing. And I say, hey, David, let's uh, I've been in a little deep on this brochure. Let's 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 make it a book, like an entire book. And David is such a progressive thinker. He was like, yo, that's dope, bro. Let's do it. Cool. He's an aggressive fella. So we ended up writing this book. It's called Lessons from Your Future Self. It's actually on Amazon and iTunes right now. Y'all can check that out. We ended up writing this book about the base. It was basically what we wish we learned, what we wish we knew uh, when we were 18. If I, if my 21-year-old self, I'm 23 now, but at the time I was 21 going on 22. But if I can go back and talk to my 18-year-old self, what would I tell him? What would I tell him to prepare him for the days coming? I know I had no idea what I was doing with this whole college thing when I was 17, 18, but as a 21, 22-year-old, I know exactly what's going on. What would I say to my younger self? And that's what the book was about. That's what the premise of the book was. So we started writing this book. Well, we didn't start writing. We, it went from a brochure to a book, and we proceeded to finish writing, I'm just going to sit that down and come right back to it. I promise it's all going to come back full circle. Y'all just bear with me. Um, the book is in the works. And what will happen is me and David being more and more progressive by the day. We want to work on this project. We want to do this. We want to do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. And I'm not going to touch on some of those projects because they're in the, work. they're in the works right now. Y'all stay tuned. But... In the in the midst in the midst of this book that we were writing, he said, "Man, people need to hear what we're saying." Damn, I wish we had a radio show. And I do a little research, you know. I say, "Man, I don't think we're gonna get hired at, at any radio station." So let me do a little research on, you know, see if I can borrow any radio broadcasting equipment. See if I can, you know, see if I can get in tight with somebody and make that work. And I said, no, no. But then there's this thing called a podcast that I looked up in my Google searches. It's an online radio type of thing, and I can get up and do it right from my computer, right from home. All I need is a little bit of equipment and a laptop, in which I had none of that at the time. I did everything from my phone. 
even you can have your own radio podcast talk show. I said, well, David, that's what we need to do. He said, hey, bro, that's what you need to do. So I thought that me and David were in tight on this podcast. And he said, man, what you can do with your voice is unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. The way you project, the way you speak, the way you deliver that shit. It'll be your podcast. I'll be in close with you. I'll be on a couple shows. This is David talking. I'll be on a couple of your shows, but Vach, you need your own damn show. So I do a little research on podcasting. That's why David is important because he's my business partner. He made me a more progressive thinker, and he gave me the idea of a podcast. Later on, after um, splitting up with David, I went back to work that night, and you know, me and the guys, we, uh, me, Tyler, Sean, Corey, we'll have another one of those talks around the workplace and people would come and gather around and listen to us and just some some girl that she only worked she only worked at that job for like a month just some girl that's why i feel like god is real and everything that happens in your life happens for a reason but this one girl she ain't worked there long she was just listening to us talk one day she said i can hear you talk i can listen to you talk all night you need your own radio show tyler looks at me and say hey bro i told you Sean looks at me and says, yeah, bro, that'll be totally awesome. Sean talks just like, yeah, bro, that'll be totally awesome. Yeah. And it goes back to what David told me. He said, hey, let's get this podcast thing going. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get this podcast thing rolling. Now, it doesn't happen overnight because I don't know exactly how to do any of this stuff. But in the words of my homie, uh, Mr. Mills, he says, uh, he's one of my rapper homies. He says, progress is a process. And that's damn true. This podcast shit didn't happen overnight. And if anybody that knows me personally, I've been talking this podcast stuff since last November. And it took me a while to get this stuff done. A little bit of money saving here, tax refund there. And sometimes a part of that process is when you're used to eating out at night, you can't eat out at night. If your lady friend, you know, if you like to buy your lady friends nice things, you can't do it this time. There's that new video game that came out. Sometimes you got to be disciplined. Because if I really wanted to start this podcast, it's some of the things that I got to do. So me and David, we would do things like we would look for open, you know, open spaces that we could rent out and turn that into a podcast studio, right? And it all looked very, very expensive at the time, you know, renting out some business square, some space or Okay, let, okay, so what if I just got the podcast equipment and just set up here? Or what if I just did it there? I want my own studio. But financially, it didn't add up. It didn't uh, make much financial sense because the job that I was working at, it was um, it was pretty crappy. And uh, the pay wasn't all that good. But it crossed my mind one day. I live in a two-bedroom apartment. And I ain't got no damn roommates. Hmm. Now, this side room was going to be a man cave, but I was broke, right? <laughs> I was broke. I couldn't afford, you know, extra stuff to make this thing a man cave. So it was just a room where I just kept dirty laundry in. And there was a couch in there that I put the clean laundry on, and I just went from there. And so one day I was just like, you know what? I thought about my podcast equipment. I'm just going to set up, and I'm going to turn this side room, this guest room, in which I had no guests, and this man cave in which I couldn't afford it. I'm going to make this my studio. And it's funny in everybody's life when they get to working on a project, they get excited about it, and they, they're ready to make a lot of moves. They hit this point in that project where they say, okay, now what? 
And that's exactly where I was. That's at, that's the point where I was at. I was at now what? So I cleaned up the room. I washed the clothes and I folded them up and I put them in my room in my dresser drawers instead of just throwing them on the couch like a normal 22-year-old guy would do. I was 22, 23. Like the normal 22, 23-year-old guy would do, just throw them around somewhere, right? I cleaned the room out. And this goes back to this progress is a process thing. Words of my homie Mills. If you just take a look at my studio now, and I'm, I'm, I may do a video if it's requested, but the room was clean. So, I okay, so I need a table. Let me go to Walmart and buy me a little dumb $40 table. And the, and the table's here now, you know. I need chairs. People need somewhere to sit down. So I get a couple chairs from Walmart. I didn't get them all at one time because your ass don't realize chairs are expensive until you start buying chairs and you need more than two of them. Because I want more than one guest in my, you know, for my podcast. But if y'all listen, y'all understand. So I needed four chairs, so I, I invested in that. It didn't happen all overnight, just sometimes here and there. Sometimes I'll buy this table, I'll buy two chairs, I'll pay the rent. I'll buy one chair, I'll buy a little bit of podcast equipment, I'll pay the light bill. Because I still had rent and things to do, and my job was pretty shitty. So it took a while for me to actually get this podcast off the ground. The couch that was in the guest room, I left it there. It's a good addition. I wanted my podcast to be more like uh, people chilling, you know, just people sitting around talking crazy. That's that's kind of what we do. And a couch and a room. Hey, man, what's more comfortable than that, right? So I was like, hmm. I was at a barbershop getting my hair cut one day. Not by the same barber. I, I go to barber shops now. And um, the barber was, uh, he built his own shop. We changed shops and stuff like that. And he had an extra TV in the back. And he said, hey, man, you know, anybody want to buy a TV? I said, how big is it? He said, 40 inch. How much you selling for? He said, 150. I said, how long you had it back there? He said, oh, man, about three months. You know, people keep saying that they're going to come buy it. But they never came, you know, to buy it or whatever. So I said, hmm. I said, let me tell you something, Doc. And it's where my business side kicks in. I say, look here, bro. You've been waiting three months for these people to come get this TV for $150, bro. This 40-inch TV for $150. I'll give you $100 right now, and I'll take it off your hands right now. After my haircut, nigga. <laughs> After my haircut, I'll give you $100. I'll take that TV off your hands right now. He stuck his hand out. I put $100 in his hands, and I walked out of that, out of that barbershop with a 40-inch TV. So I was like, man, now I need somewhere to put the TV. And I really couldn't afford a TV stand. TV stands are expensive these days. So I went to Dirt Cheap or I guess y'all would look at it as Marshall's or Hudson's Treasure Hunt or whatever swap meet you go to. Wherever you get cheap shit that they can't sell at Walmart. And I got this nice little file cabinet that was $30, but it's it, I, I got it for eight, you know, just, just a little cheap thing. And that file cabinet is now my television stand that I sit my TV on. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because I really want you to understand the process that it, that it went through. I'll buy a TV, pay my cable bill, get a little more podcast equipment. I may pick up a little stuff here and there. Maybe get my third and fourth chair, file cabinet. I'll pay my truck note. Just to let y'all understand the process and that this didn't happen overnight. Before I knew it, I had a full-blown studio. Full-blown. And it's one thing that if someone says, hey, man, I got this uh, I got this podcast studio. You can just record your stuff over there. Oh, hey, appreciate it, man. There's no attachment to it. I have an emotional attachment to this studio because it, it, it's, my, it's my baby. It's my child. Everything that's in this thing that I'm looking at right now as I look to my right and I see my, see my other microphones charging up. 
with the electricity that I pay for. As I look at my MacBook Pro, the box that my MacBook Pro came in, I have so much pride in it because the the work at this shitty job that I had to save, uh, I, I paid for that myself, you know? It's just a different pride in it. That's why this podcast shit is so fruitful for me because everything I've done, I could have easily taken handouts, but no, 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 no. I'm doing this shit on my own because this podcast thing is my child. It's my baby. It's something I want to do my damn self. Looking over at the right at this TV, at this lovely Samsung TV I got on this $8 dirt cheap. <laughs> it's $8 dirt cheap uh, TV stand file cabinet that I got it from on my table. I take pride in it because it's mine. Progress is a process, people. If it's anything you want to do, it's not going to happen overnight. Take your time and get it done. So the podcast finally ready to go. I got everything going, all that type of stuff. And the book releases. The book is all happening at one time. I'm becoming a lot more entrepreneurial. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to use it today. And I just got so much more hmm, F college, you know. Now, like I said, I'm not going to drop out because it'll break my mom. It'll break my mom's heart, right? But if I could just get y'all to just understand where I come from with this whole whole progression thing. What keeps me going is that I I don't want to be a waste of talent. It's a couple things that keeps me going. One of them is I don't want to be a waste of talent. That one tidbit that person told me, Vach, I can listen to you talk all day. When you're going to stop being funny for free? I don't want to be that person. Me being a huge sports fan, I hate when I see somebody that's like that, that's a super athlete and they just can't leave drugs alone. You can make millions of dollars working your craft, but you choose to throw that away. And I don't want to be a hypocrite in that sense, you know. So Vacha, you funny, you can talk to people, you fill up a room, you 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 kind of got a knack with this conversation thing. Allegedly, I'm easy to listen to. I don't know how that worked, but hey, I've heard it. Allegedly, you easy to listen to. Put that to good use, man. I'm a podcaster now. Me not wasting my talent is very important. And it's a very huge, pivotal part of me podcasting. Reaching my full potential, that is. I want to be able to to not only be my own boss, but to bring people up with me. I feel like I'm... I'm way too much of a forward thinker just to do shit by myself. I don't know anything about hair or the fashion business, right? But goddamn weave is booming. <laughs> I know a lot about women, and most of their ass got weave in their head, right? That's business. Why not open a why not open a salon called Lombardi's? I don't know nothing about no damn hair. I don't braid hair. But I may have a friend that do, that does braid hair. Pardon me. Let me help her help me. I've never really been a, been a super clubby guy. I've been to a few clubs, a few parties, a few house parties. That's another podcast. But I got a homie that, that's really familiar with the, with the clubbing business. Now, I'm not a huge club guy, but I know that shit, people club on Sunday if you let them. Money, business. Let me help him help me. If I got a friend, he's a great speaker or something like that, come get on the podcast. I like to reference rap lyrics when it applies to normal situations. Uh, Rapper Scarface, he said, if if your cousin got a label and your partner can rap, 
Nigga, cool. Do your thills and give your partner some dap. Let's help each other, y'all. That's what keeps me going with this podcast thing. Most importantly, I love my mother to death, Miss Kathy. Y'all gonna hear me just call her Kathy, but I call her mom. But you know, y'all gonna hear me say, "When Mel, when Kathy do this, boy." My mom's getting a little older, and it it runs in our family to have flat feet. It also runs in our family that we're diabetics and heart problems and blood pressure, and we're heavy people. So when you're heavy people with flat feet, we end up with bad ankles. And everywhere I saw my granddad walk, that's my mom's dad, my uncle June's dad. Every everywhere I saw him walk, he was he was limping and waddling and side to side and, you know, I think he had a cane if if my memory serves me correctly, you know. But he's dead and gone, bless his heart. Rest his soul. I see my mom start to waddle a little bit when she walks. She has a little ankle pain, you know. I, you know, she's getting a little older now. I'm I'm 23. She's 43 years old. And sometimes it I see her struggle to go from the couch to the to the refrigerator, you know. And that saddens me. That hurts my damn heart, you know. To see my mom in so much pain just to go from the from the couch to the refrigerator. That shit sucks. So the older me, uh, you know, I always wanted to, you know, be a pro football player and say I'm going to buy my mama a house. I'm going to buy her a few cars and all that type of stuff. That's a dream, but that's more of a given now, you know. What I really want to do for my mom, if I could do anything for my mom, if I do this, my work would be done. If I could just buy my mama some new feet, boy. And that shit sounds funny. <laughs> Buying my mama new feet. That sounds crazy as hell, but for my mom to live the rest of her life without her ankles just aching, they bad now. Imagine how they how they how they're gonna be when she's 60. If I could just be in a place to where I can afford the the finest doctors and medical situations and blah, 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 blah. I'll buy me and my mom, my mom, first of all, because I'm a young man. I got a couple more years of this shit to go. I'm good. <sighs> if I can buy my mom some new feet, man, that'll make my damn day. I just smile real big. That'll make my day. And she going to have to learn how to walk again. Yeah, so what? But after that, I guess eight weeks of <laughs> of whatever, whatever, and I guess a few months of therapy and all that type of stuff. Her not limping and wincing in pain just to go from the couch to the refrigerator. That'll make my day. Now, this podcasting shit, it's just a hobby. You know, it's something that I like to do. I can talk all day. I'm a talkative person, you know. One girl left me because I cause I talked too much, and she felt like my talking wasn't constructive enough. <laughs> ha ha, bitch. But if I can turn this podcasting thing into a career, on top of me being a published author, on top of me taking that money and maybe opening up at a, some restaurant one day, you know, or... 
me having a friend that does hair, helping her open a salon or something, or opening up a club with my with my club homie, or if I uh, or if my homie uh, Sean needs a needs a budget to make some film, I can help him out with that, and we can go fifty fifty on it. That's what I want to do. And I know this podcast may not make me a millionaire. I ain't looking for that. But hopefully this podcast can put me in a different financial space in which, hey, man, I worked a shitty job. And I wrote a book and built a studio. Imagine if I had even more money what I can do. I told Javal, this shit don't work. I'm going to go be an accountant. <laughs> I can do so much with so little, in my opinion. But that's for another story, another memoir maybe, another podcast. But that's me. This is where we are today. If I could just bring this all full circle. Just letting y'all know what my football career did for me. What it did for my confidence. The, the people that I met at that shit job, you know, and how important they are to my life these days. That one young woman that I'm no longer involved with, but she made a man out of me, if you will. My homie from fourth grade that we didn't go to high school together, but we just miraculously ended up at the same city. I mean, when I tell you that nigga went to school in Louisiana and we ended up back in Mississippi. All the colleges in Mississippi, we ended up at the University of Southern Mississippi. All the locations at the University of Southern Mississippi, we met up at that sidewalk. Divine intervention, my people. But that's just me and my beliefs. That's another podcast. Me being able to make a better life for me and mine, for my future children that I don't have any right now, but I'm reckless, man. They'll be here at some point. Me being able to bring people along with me for the ride and, and, and put them in better financial places, you know? Being able to buy my mom new feet. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm so determined. And most importantly, that's why college can't do it by itself. I guess the average teacher in Mississippi, they start off making, like what, $27,000 a year? I can't buy my mom new feet and maintain my lifestyle with $27,000 a year. They don't get paid enough to put up with them badass kids, but one day. I don't think I can start businesses with that. I can't bring people along with me. And when I say bring people along with me, I don't mean like Hammer did. Like Hammer bought people houses. I ain't doing that shit. But what I will do is put someone in position to where they can buy their own house. And I don't lose anything. That's how you do it. And where I'm at with this podcast, you know, if you listen to any podcast advice people tell you about any podcasters, they say, make sure you don't suck. The first people that are, that are going to hear you are your family and your friends. And they can be a little biased because they know you, but make sure you don't suck. I don't think I suck. <laughs> I think my podcast is pretty good. So now I'm just to this point to where I just need people to hear me. Listen to my podcast one time and they'll be a believer. That's where I'm at. Ask me how I know. How you know, Vach? I'll tell you why I know. 
That was me, by the way. I'll tell you how, though. Because everybody that's listened to the podcast up to this point, they could have easily just lied and said, oh, yeah, it's cool shit, and just not listen again. If they listen to one, they probably listen to two. With that being said, I got a few shout-outs. I just want to acknowledge a few people that, that have been here along the way, you know, a few, few people that, you know, that I haven't mentioned within the memoir, you know, the audio memoir podcast. I know I mentioned my Uncle Junior boy. I call him June for short. When I tell you in our family, because I, I brought all that shit full circle, in our family when it's one way to think, when it's, hey, go to college, get your degree, make $25,000 a year, be happy. Teach your child so they can be better than you so they can make $40,000 a year. Nah. And when I tell you that in most cases when you think progressively, people shun you. When you want to follow your dreams, people people tell you what's a good and what's not a good idea. My Uncle June been there every step of the way. Shouts out to you, Big Seal. Shouts out to my mother. There's a Kanye West line, because I like to shout out rappers when they make relevant raps. A song called Hey Mama Kanye Made. Said, uh... His mama said, go to school, son. Get your doctorate. But she still supported when I did the opposite. That's how I feel about my mother. And all I ask from my mom is that, hey, mom. <laughs> that's the name of the song. Hey, mama, that's fine. Whatever. All I ask from my mother is that this college thing is going to happen. Your son's going to have a degree. But he's thinking progressively. He's thinking so much more progressively than you can fathom. I don't think my mom understands, you know, my mindset, you know. She she was brought up to be a go to school, get your education thumper. I'm more so of a shit, the richest people in the world I ain't go to college, <laughs> you know. So when we have that conflict, you know, mom innately doesn't want me to go for the entrepreneur route. And it makes sense. She's a she's a mother. She's a parent. Being an entrepreneur is risky. You don't want that for your child. But I tell you what, though. When I made that Rachel Dojal comedy video for YouTube, she shared it on her page. And the Bill Cosby video that I made for YouTube. And the pilot cast. She may not agree with the particular route that I'm taking. And she may be upset that I ain't graduated a year ago. I just want to be the first to let you know, Mom, Graduation coming. But let your boy get into this media first. This is what's going to pay the bills one day. Not college. But I'm going to do both because I love you. And that's what we're going to do. Shouts out to you. Shouts out to the 750 Debate Group and all the people in it. They're my um, my outlet, if you will. <sighs> you know, when um I go to them and I say... Uh, Hey, man, I'm doing a podcast, you know. They could have easily shunned me and said, I don't matter care about that shit. I got a lot of supporters in that group that um, they say, go for it, man. We'll listen. See what you got. Something I love about 750 is, is that they're brutally cruel to you. If you suck, they'll let you know. And in this business, that's exactly what I need. 
So people like Dane and Allen and Rick Porter, Bio, Jerry D, Jory, Irv, Ron Peak, my man Buck, James, Rodney Richburg, Mike Hall, Mr. Mills, my boy Scoop, Ledge, Tobias. Shouts out to all y'all. Gordon Gecko, Hashes Clay. When y'all listen to me, y'all gave me feedback and y'all listened again. I can't thank y'all enough for that. In the words of J.R. Fallon, if y'all rock with me, keep rocking with me. I promise I won't disappoint y'all. Shouts out 750 and everybody in it. Continue to rock with me. Anybody that ever supported the Vach Lombardi movement, salute to y'all as well. <laughs> funny, um, funny quote from my from my from my cousin, Tamara. Call her ass yesterday. <laughs> Shouts out to her. Yeah, she uh she tagged a couple of my um my my Facebook YouTube videos and I was like, thanks for the support. I tell everybody, hey, anybody that, that ever supported me, I tell y'all, hey, thanks for the support. And she said, hey, we family boy. What are we supposed to do? I said, goddamn, teamwork make the dream work, don't it? Shouts out to her and everybody that ever supported the Vice Lombardi movement. I just want to let y'all know, like I say, once again, shouts out to my boy, Mr. Mills. Progress is a process. And ain't none of this shit going to happen overnight. But when we get there, that shit going to last plenty of days. I promise you. I'm Vice Lombardi. Thanks for listening.